1981 to 1989, first 100,000 cases of AIDS were reported. Next 100,000 cases were reported in the next 15 months. Not in Africa, but in North America. And you know, folks, early on, they developed what they called at that time a cocktail, a, a combination of medications you could take to not heal you if you had the disease, but to kind of, but to subdue the disease and basically to, to mask it. You still had the disease, but only you and your doctor knew that. I, th- I guess for me, the first person I really recognized was Magic Johnson. In, in, I think it was in the mid-90s. And, and folks, it's a deadly disease here in North America. But I do this for a living. I don't have another job. I've been traveling for, t- for 22, almost 22 and a half years now. And as I begin to speak in churches, I begin to see an equally spiritually, spiritually speaking, an equally deadly disease among the believers in the body of Christ. If I can say it this way, a spiritual HIV. And here's what it is. Here's the spiritual HIV. Performance-based acceptance. It's Christians who are struggling and striving externally to do a lot of stuff but on the inside are so, so tired. Not physically tired, but tired in your soul. There's a big difference. I want to talk to you up front. Because see, unlike the physical, God in the spiritual, this performance-based acceptance, in the spiritual disease, God provides the cure as he always does. And we're going to get there in just a minute. Right now, I want to look at, and we're going to unpack just a few symptoms of this spiritual HIV, this performance-based acceptance. And Christian, I'm talking to you here now. Christian, because folks, all my life, half my life has been performing in athletics. You know, and, and we even use, use a term, well, he goofed up on this play, but This last play, he redeemed himself. He redeemed himself. Folks, listen, I want to unpack a few symptoms. And and folks, some of us in here, when we go through this, some of you are going to realize, like myself, some of you are going to realize you've got the disease. And I want to encourage you, as God has been working the cure into me for over 24 years, Because you know in Christianity, we like the fast food Christian window, right? Pull up to the fast food window, get your bag of verses that applies to your life situation so you can move on to the next thing. We like to define things, and there's nothing wrong with definitions, but too often we stop with the definition so we can and move on. And folks, the Christian life is not that way. It's hard, it's a struggle, and I don't know whoever told us the struggle is bad, it's not Let's unpack a few symptoms of this spiritual HIV. First of all, first symptom of this performance-based acceptance, there's a work 
a work without worship. There's a work without worship. What would that look like? Maybe a lot of you in here, ladies, maybe you're Martha, real busy, 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 busy. It's easy to do a lot of stuff. Christian, hear me. It's easy to do a lot of activity, but yet you miss who? Who do we miss? You miss Jesus. Martha was doing a lot of stuff, and Mary was sitting there at, at, at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, Martha, and this is southern Hebrew, he said, throttle it down. He said, throttle it down, Martha. Honey, you're too jacked up. There's nothing wrong with serving, but there's a time for that, and there's a time for sitting. Work without, and, and folks, sometimes it invades the North American church, and it might look like this. We have a tendency in the church, the local body, to focus on process, programs, and pragmatism. Three good things. Those things aren't bad. But we've had a tendency, Pastor Rick, to focus on those three things. So what has happened in most instances in the North American church, because we focused on these three things, what is the one thing that we've left out? That's right. We focused on these three things. The work, not bad things. But we've left out the person of Jesus. Therefore, we have what? A lot of polish. But we have no power. Because we've left out the main person. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. When I was at seminary, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not embellishing this. I would be reading my Bible. My wife would come in and try to say something to me. I'd say, can't you see I'm having a quiet time? (laughs) Yes, Lord. Yes. God, I've done my duty to God and my country. I'll see you this time tomorrow. Oh, really? Sometimes we, we think we're working for God, but we're missing him because it's all the external stuff. What did Jesus say to the real religious guys? Your lips say one thing, but your heart is far from me. See, folks, by the grace of God, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. My first cancer, God said, I want the secret places of your heart. Because if I've got that, I've got you. Amen? I know it's Father's Day and all. How's your heart this morning, men? Men, I'm telling you, black, white, yellow, red, purple, it does not matter. Our churches, our families, this is for free. Our culture is dying because of a lack of male leadership. In the church, in the church. Work without worship. I'm getting, oh, I'm talking too much. Second, second characteristic, second symptom of this performance-based acceptance. Serving, serving without seeking. Serving without seeking. Let me read something to you. Your God may be your little Christian habit. The habit of prayer or Bible reading at certain times of day, 
Watch how your father will upset your schedule if you begin to worship your habit instead of what the habit symbolizes. Here I was. We say, I can't do that right now. This is my time alone with God. No, this is your time alone with your habit. Is that you this morning? And see, folks, I'm not trying to hammer you, but Christian, Christian, I'm trying to get us to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I love what you do in this event today. I love this. Love it. All these people bring their cars. I love that. What a novel idea. The church reaches out to those who don't come to church. But folks, you have to be careful that your life becomes one of serving, but you're not seeking after Jesus. Third symptom is this. A legalism as opposed to lordship. Legalism as opposed to lordship. Now, what do I mean by legalism? Those of us who are believers in Christ, I think all of us at, some, at various stages are recovering legalists. Folks, what do I mean by legalism? Now, that's a question. Don't look at me like a deer in headlights, okay? So I'm conversational, so we're, we're in a group where I, you can talk back to me. What is legalism? Laws. Rules. In other words, as a believer in Christ, I measure my maturity by the number of rules that I keep. Or we could say it this way. My obedience equals God's obligation. In other words, God, I did this. Now you have to do this. Work without worship. Serving without seeking, legalism as opposed to lordship. Three symptoms of this spiritual HIV, this performance-based acceptance. So what's the cure? Let's focus on that. What's the cure? It's a five-letter word. G-R-A-C-E. We're going to walk us through some scripture and just point out a few things, okay? Make some observations that you could make. Because I want us to focus on the cure. Because folks, maybe some of us, maybe a lot of us are like me. You're a real performer, especially those of you who are wired with perfectionistic tendencies. That's how you're wired. It's not a bad wiring. It's not a faulty wiring. It's just you learning to allow the Spirit to work through you. And it's not you living for God. It's you allowing the Spirit to live through you. And that's two totally different things. Folks, let's look at the cure. Let's look at the cure. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15.10. We're going to start there. Grace. Let's define it first. What is grace? God giving us what we don't deserve. And folks, I think it's important that you understand... Especially that we're saved by grace. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace are you saved through faith. Guys, what does the that refer to? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. What does the that refer to? Hmm? It refers to the grace and faith. You see? Here's, sir, what's your name? Mario? Okay. Hypothetical. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about Mar Mario. Mario is out in the ocean. 
This was, this was what I was presented early on as, as a picture of someone receiving Christ. Mario's out in the ocean. He's struggling. The waves are busting up over his face. And he, <laughs> like this. Here comes God with his spiritual life preserver, throws the spiritual life preserver down. Mario reaches up and is, okay. Here's, biblically, here's the picture, here's, here's Mario's condition. He's not struggling in any kind of way. Why? Because Mario is face down, hiney up, bloated, completely, totally, unequivocally what? Spiritually speaking. Thank you. Why? Here's the question. According to Romans, taking a line from one of my favorite movies of all time, old school, remember the Titans. Who's your daddy, Gary? Spiritually speaking, who's Mario's dad? Think before you answer. Spiritually speaking, when Mario, when, when you are physically born spiritually, who's your daddy? It's not God. It's not Satan. Who, 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 who according to Romans? It's Adam. Adam. Why? Because he, just like all of us in here, are born in What? Sin, that's why we're dead. That's why my little 18-month-old Anne Marie, when she was 18 months and I'm at seminary, she did something. She runs to hide in the closet. I pull the closet door open, and I'm 6'3", 250, okay? And here's little Anne Marie, and I said, Anne Marie, come on out of here. And in this little southern accent, she looks up at me and says, I will not. <laughs> and I said, oh, what did you say? I will. And she said it again, I will not. Defiantly. I didn't have to teach her how to do that. Why? Because she already knew. She's spiritually dead. She was born that way. You see? And folks, until God, John chapter 6, verse 44 and 65, until God takes his spiritual jumper cables and hooks it up to your heart and jumps our dead heart off toward him, we cannot come to Christ, y'all. Y'all. <laughs> okay? You see? So you're saved by grace. That's why the next part of the verse says that not of yourselves. It's not of works. It's all of God. So we're saved by grace. We pray by grace. But what we're going to see here in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, you live by grace. Let's read it. Real quick. Paul says this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, the, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What's Paul saying? Notice, y'all, you guys, when you, when, you read, when you read the scripture, notice the words, how many times they use the words. Notice lists. In, in the Greek, oftentimes the thing at the front of the list is the most prominent thing they are trying to get across. So Paul mentions our cure here, grace. He says, by grace, it's the grace of God, I am who I am. Now, here's something. Notice what he says here. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them. He's talking about the other apostles. So we see here, grace is not a lack of labor and effort. Because what do we like to do? We like to polarize things. It's either this or it's that. We like things at both ends. Paul says, no, I worked harder than all of them. Grace is not a lack of labor and effort. It is a lack of earning and deserving Okay, most of us, here's how we live the Christian life. 
We're in a boat and we're rowing. <laughs> and that's how we live the Christian life. We're working hard. There's nothing wrong with work. But it's all the wrong motive, you see? At some point, some of us may be new believers in Christ. At some point, we enter into the Christian life and we focus kind of on duty and discipline. Two good words. But believer in Christ, hear this. At some point in here, motivationally, motivationally, I move from duty and discipline to more of a delight and desire. You see? But it's only by the grace of God that you're able to do that. See, what Paul is saying, he says, learn to labor out of your grace, out of the grace of God. Learn to labor out of rest. Don't seek to labor to get it. In other words, don't seek to do all these things to try to get his pleasure, his pleasing. No. Question. Ma'am, what's your name? Linda. Linda reads her Bible 365 days this year. I read mine 150. Who's honoring God? Could be both. That's a good thing. Could be neither. Could be both. Could be neither. What's the key? What's the key? It's an M word. I said it. Thank you. Yes, folks, it's the motive. It's the why behind. See, grace is the deeper side of why. In other words, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Guys, why are you here this morning? See, in the South, okay, in some places, well, I'm, I'm here at uh, Podunk Baptist Church because our, my grandma went here. My father, you know, <laughs> been going here for 300 years. And it's, and it's just they're there because that's what they do on Sunday. They have no idea why. See, folks, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is saying it's all by his grace. I'm, I'm motivated to work by his grace. And here's something. Grace-motivated labor won't burn you out. Grace-motivated labor will not burn you out. If you learn to embrace this truth of grace deeper than salvation, but understanding more and more and more that it's how you live the Christian life, folks, God's going to take you to a deeper place, I promise you. For me, it's been 24 years now. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says this. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness. To bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Folks, the law that it's talking about there, the Mosaic law, the checklist of, okay, here's this, eat this, do this, wear this. It was presented so that you you and I would realize that the Hebrews would realize, I cannot do all this. I cannot possibly do all this. And, and folks, I see Christians all the time who are living this checklist Christianity. 
okay, God, read my Bible today, good day. Had my quiet time today, good day. Missed my quiet time today, bad day. Good day, bad day, good week, bad week. And it's all predicated on whether I did the disciplines. Now, don't hear me say the disciplines are bad. That's not what I'm saying, of course. But we need to realize in the body that doing all the right things is not it. Sin increase, but grace increase all the more. Romans says again, I'm giving you this opportunity here to understand that you cannot do enough and that be it. You cannot do enough. Last verse. Let's turn to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. Before I read 2 Timothy, the law says do, grace says done. Law emphasizes what man does. Grace emphasizes what God does. Law creates bondage, duty, obligation. Grace creates freedom. Believer in Christ, grace brings life to us. Grace brings life. Christian, he's calling you to a different place of living in his grace. 2 Timothy. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. A couple of things here. My son. I love how Paul, this is the last letter Paul ever wrote. My son. Over in chapter 1, verse, verse 2, he refers to Timothy as my dear son. Men, men, do you have some Timothys? Men, do you have some Timothys? Some sons? Some Timothys? He says, my, Timothy, my, my son, be strong in grace. Now, understand, this is a command. And understand this, in the Greek, it's such that the strength is not going to come within yourself. It's not willpower. He says, be strong in the grace that is found where? In Christ Jesus. Parents, here's what happens if if we don't learn to be strong in grace. Here's what happens, parents. We begin to raise little kids who know how to do all the externalities. Once they reach to an age where they can start understanding, we start raising kids who can do all the external things. It's like the little kid who's riding with his dad in the, in the back seat. And he's, he's, he's holding on to the back seat, no seat belt, and he's just bouncing like this. He's just bouncing, just bouncing, just bouncing. Dad says, son, sit down. Son, sit down. Dad's driving. And finally, he reaches that big hand and says, son, boom, and sits him down. Total silence. 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then finally the little boy breaks that silence and he looks at the dad and he says, Dad, I'm still standing up on the inside. (laughs) See, parents, here's the thing. If If we don't learn to become strong in grace, what happens is we create little kids who know how to do the 
externalities, and then when they become teenagers, they know how to fake it real well, and all they know is the external aspects of Christianity, but their hearts are so rebellious. And we create little kids who know how to do all the right things with all the wrong motives. And we create little legalists because we haven't learned to be strong in grace. I'll close here. At our ministry in Colorado, speaking to a young man, this was years ago. His wife developed cancer, breast cancer, had surgery. He had two little boys at the time. Everything went well, seemed to be in remission. A few months later, any of y'all have ever been involved with cancer? It's such an emotional roller coaster. And so, a few months later, lady, his wife, dies. I'm sitting across the desk with this man, tears flowing down his face. And he says, Foster, I can't believe God would do that. I cannot believe it. What am I going to do? Over a period of time, he begins to have communication with another woman, just online, different things, phone calls. Well, I talked to him again months, months later. And this is what he told me. He said, Foster, I realized I began to fall in love. Hadn't seen the woman for six months initially. And you know, ladies, isn't that an awesome thing, a novel idea, a man having to communicate, you know? And so he says, I realized I was falling in love, but he said, I felt incredibly guilty, incredible guilt. So he said, I decided I was going to go see my wife, Sarah. I was going to her gravestone, and I was going to talk to her. And he said, wouldn't you know, I go on the coldest day in Colorado, the coldest day of the year in Colorado. Snow everywhere, white. He said, I went up to the headstone, wiped the snow off. Wasn't Sarah. Went up to another headstone. He said, I did it 10 times, literally. No Sarah. He said, I turned around, started to walk off, and it was just like God just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, one more time. He said, I went to one more headstone, wiped it off, and there was Sarah. He said, I began to talk to her, and he said, Sarah, I love you. You're the mother of my children. I love you, and I always will. But I believe I've fallen in love with this other woman, and I need to know that it's okay. I need to know it's okay. And he said, Foster, it was like God spoke in Sarah's voice and said this, Jeff, run to her. Run to her. And and folks, I tell you that to say this. Even if you have this spiritual disease, this performance-based acceptance, and, and, and you're living this checklist Christianity, guess what God says to you? He extends his grace to you and says this, run to me, run to me, because I give you the grace. We sang it, I give you the love. Run to me, run to me. Let's bow our heads. You all been awesome, thank you. The pastor and staff are going to come. The worship team is going to come. I want to ask you a question. Before I, and I'm going to pray in just a second before I turn it over to the pastor. I want to ask you all a question with your heads bowed. 
How many of you know, believer in Christ? How many of you know here, believer in Christ? How many of you know you've got the disease? This performance-based acceptance, this graceless way of living the Christian life. You know, you just, you've been living a checklist, this external aspect, and that's it. How many of you would say that? Would you just put your hand up and put it down? Put it up and put it down. Put it up, put it down. Thank you. Okay. 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 All over. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, I don't... The pastor and the staff will be here. And maybe you came here today to, to join the church and become a part of the church. I want to encourage you to do that. And I don't know if you need to respond, if you need to, to come forward in some kind of response. I'm going to pray, turn it over to the pastor. And I want to encourage you, you respond in, in whatever way you need to. Whatever it looks like to obey God, I want to encourage you to do that. Father, great are you, Lord, and worthy to be praised. Father, your grace is truly amazing. Thank you, Father, that it's freely given, freely extended, regardless of our spiritual performance. That in the depths of our sin, your grace is abundant. It's abundant. So, Father, as we come here for this portion of the service right now, uh, help us to obey. Whatever that looks like, help us to obey. In Jesus' name.